0: Time is 2.34 and it's a Thursday, which means it's time for Artsing Around with Andrew Dembina. And he's on the line now. Hello.
1: Hello. Hello, Sadia. You feeling arty?
0: Yes, I am. I'm always in the mood for, I'm not going to even say the, the three letters. Oh. <laughs> Just tell me what's what you've got on the menu yeah. here.
1: <laughs> Will do. Will do. Okay. Well, starting off with something topical in the world of art. Following lots of other types of sanctions, the mm-hmm. art world is now blacklisting Russian oligarchs amid fears that billionaires will take advantage of the industry's lack of regulation mm. to evade sanctions that they've been getting from different industries. That is according to a very interesting article uh, from a couple of days ago from Insider magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's um, basically Russian oligarchs have deep roots in the art industry as high-value yeah. collectors. They really do buy amazing art. Um, but now auction houses, museums and artists themselves are cutting ties with the billionaires in response to sanctions that have been laid down by countries that those places are operating in. So uh, experts in the field, though, uh, of art collecting generally warn that the, uh, the oligarch co- collectors could still um, buy artworks with their assets. Um, and evade sanctions because there are kind of some loopholes, which I'll just mention briefly in a bit. But, uh, yeah, in London, very recently, the world's top auction houses who work together for something called Russian Art Week, which has become an annual go-to for wealthy Russian buyers, where some of the best-known auction houses in, uh, with their outposts in London put up works especially for this. And in New York, um, Russian billionaire Vladimir Potantin uh, resigned from the Guggenheim Museum's Board of Trustees. That sort of thing's pretty sad mm. because, mm. um, you know, to have uh, an international panel on a Board of Trustees is quite a valuable, yeah, um, yeah valuable insights to be had from international discussion. Uh, in, in Moscow, there are artists... Who are cancelling their own exhibitions in you know in their own country mm-hmm. um, in some um, in some galleries and also a uh, a museum that was founded by uh, her, her name is Dasha Zukova who's a socialite art collector and she's the ex-wife of the sanctioned oligarch who lives in the UK and used to own Chelsea Football Club Roman. Uh, Abramovich. Mm-hmm. So um, she, she, they're, they're, they're no longer a couple, and she has stopped. Um, well, that sounds a bit personal, probably doesn't it? Her husband <laughs> is sanctioned. Her ex-husband, <laughs> I should say, is a. So, so she stopped selling to the type of folk that can afford multi-million U.S. dollar mm. paintings or other art. The thing about fine art collecting, as it's come up in many studies and sensationalist. Uh, stories and documentaries, is that there is a kind of opaqueness about who owns what. I Mm -hmm. mean, it exists in other, yeah, it exists in many fields too. People pay for things through corporations or it's not always in their own name. Mm -hmm. But one really specific thing about fine art is that sometimes when a piece of artwork is sold, they're kept in um, free economic zones, which are Places around the world, warehouses called free ports, where it's of any kind are subject to little duties and taxes, and less um, rigorous itemization of the exact details of uh, you know of what's in each cargo container. That's interesting. So. Mm. It is I mean uh, I mean I've spoken to Noreen some time ago uh, on and off about the whole thing about collecting I mm-hmm. mean you know since since we've been talking you and I there are some outrageously high prices that drive up the market value of certain artists mm. uh, some of them still alive many of them not um, and that, and, that, and many of those artworks will never see the light of day they are kept in vaults as assets God. so you know, that's um, it, it is it is something that happens. But uh, back to some more specifics, though, on this story, which was quite interesting. There have been a couple of um, well-heeled Russian collectors who have bought paintings which also has been called into question as to their provenance, meaning were they genuine, were they, in fact, legitimately sold, did they have a provenance, a whole kind of stream of sales lines that can be... Accredited through galleries, auction houses, and signs off as being going through the proper channels. Sometimes these things are sold or traded as business assets and mm. as part payment mm. for businesses. There's, so, so it's a whole um, a slightly opaque area, really. And mm. so, detachment from it is what a lot of auction houses and the U.S. Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network just two weeks ago said. That it is flagging the high-value art market as attractive, in, in inverted commas, it calls it attractive for money laundering by illicit actors. That's not that's not actors <laughs> at the stage and screen. Mm. It's by, by, by people, people who are, are putting yeah, on, yeah. who are yeah. acting for. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, including um, Russian elites. So oh. there is a lot of focus on this right now. You know, we heard about yachts, super yeah, yachts, mega yeah. yachts, and other other assets. So now. The world of uh, fine art is come coming under scrutiny. Okay, I'll leave that one there. There was many, okay. much more on it, but it's pretty much, you know, the same sort of thing. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So, um, next from the world of fine art, something of a local flavour. Hong Kong artist Sin Wai Kin has just been nominated in the last few days for the Turner Prize 2022. Oh, wow. mm. Yeah, that's nice to see a local mm. bit of representation. And Sin. Um, brings uh, a kind of a fantasy world of of, uh, uh, of their own making through performance art and moving image. Some is in video, some is in film. It's all mixed media. Some is in writing, some is in print. Sometimes it comes together as what is known as an installation, a fine art installation. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're familiar with that. Yes. So whole, yes, lots of different elements coming together that someone walks into. Some of those elements can be 3D, others can be, as mentioned, projected on the wall. And so a kind of whole universe uh, is, is, uh, is curated by, by an artist um, in each little space. That's the kind of work that, um, that Sin does. And the, uh, it's, it's, it's all about self-experience that exists between this artist who is of binary gender. So it's, it's, uh, it's someone who is going through a transitional gender Phase and mm-hmm. a lot of the content is reflecting and the perception
0: that. yeah mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah and the turner prize for those unaware is um awarded to um an artist for an outstanding exhibition or presentation of artwork by a jury um the turner prize jury and there's always a shortlisted group of about 10 to 20 artists and they try the Tate Gallery, which originally started in London in uh, Pimlico, It uh, it has a few different galleries around the UK now, and they are trying to give better placement of some of these big annual uh, contests around the different galleries. So it is the Tate Liverpool that's been chosen for 2022 to uh, to make that choice. the The works are going to be shown between late October until. Um, uh, until uh, March mm-hmm. um, next year and uh, and the winner will be announced during that period at a ceremony uh, in Liverpool which will happen mm. in December and then the, the works will still remain there until March of next year. Plenty that's of something time. interesting mm-hmm. to uh, keep an eye on. Um, and moving from London slash by way of Hong Kong to Los Angeles there's um, but, but with an Asian art theme again, there's a gallerist whose name is Amelia Yin, and she's got a, 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 a gallery that she opened not too many years ago called Making Room, and it's for, specifically for Asian artists to be showcased in. Um, so it's called Making Room, it's in LA, and she is originally of Hainan Island and Hong Kong descent, so another local mm. connection. Mm. And it's, uh, yeah, it's the eighth year that she's had her gallery, and she kind of champions uh, artists who are either from different parts of Asia or from um, an ethnic background of Asia, of Asian families in the States. So it's that mixture. And she likes, which well, she's actually been upheld by other art critics and those in the current art world, in America in particular, for bringing more attention to the works of artists from Korea um, and also those who are treading the line between becoming American or feeling American and feeling Asia, uh, in touch with their Asian roots, mm. I should say, mm. in, in America. So I didn't send you any pictures uh, this week, Sadia, but there are, again, uh, mixed media. It's not putting lots of media together to make an installation, but she uh, a, a picture of her gallery and people... Can, uh, can 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 have a look for this um, by searching up make room make two room. words make room mm-hmm. yeah um, in, in in Los Angeles and it will call cool it up pretty quickly and um, she is not going too wacky with the art there 's oil on canvas paintings there are sculptures there are uh, relief sculptures which which means that it 's something with uh, a slight three d feel that she will uh, hang on walls and she often puts group exhibitions of artists who work in different media and from different um asian origins together deliberately to get them to kind of play off each other um she's trying to raise awareness also for uh for the for some anti-asian sentiment, which she feels is uh is, is the case among some within the art world not in a violent or aggressive way but just in a way that they are not taken sometimes she feels as seriously yeah. as those who are of uh, Caucasian yeah. Um, yeah. background. Yeah. So she wants to really put it forward. In many interviews that she's given she often talks about um, you know, wanting to kind of get the world to take Asian art more it yes. than it is. Yeah. Yes. So, okay, and finally my final uh, topic is going back to the world of um, global music. We touched on the Grammys last week, yes. um, but it's not. But it's not about that again. That I want to just mention today. It was an article that came out by um, the BBC on the music scene of 2021, uh, where they <laughs> got lots of stats together to find out th- some interesting, curious figures. The global music market from last year was worth in US dollars twenty-six billion dollars wow. US. Now that's staggering because. We are told or we read year on year um, that the uh, you know that, that, that the recorded music industry is dying, and in normal times the artists need to do a lot more touring and sell their merchandise because the money made out of streaming services which are prevailing today over all other formats don 't bring a very lucrative return compared to when people were selling more of um, the physical albums, mm, whether mm, it was the old-fashioned mm. vinyl CDs or whatever. So, but this seems to shatter that. And the question is left hanging in the air whether that is, because people had more time indoors uh, because of COVID restrictions. Yeah, Um could be. 2021, yeah, it mm-hmm. yeah, could be. But uh, revenue surged by 18.5%. Uh, uh, year on year, though, that's just between 2020 and 2021. So, it's, it, it, you know, there was plenty of COVID shutdown and people having to stay in or being scared and therefore staying in, if, if not asked or told to do so, in 2020 as well as 2021. So, that's, you know, it's nearly 20% year on year mm. um, in two COVID years. Mm. So um, it was driven by streaming. So even though it takes a lot of streamers to, um, you know, to make much, much money or much of a much revenue, there were 523 million paid subscribers of music services, Gosh. which that's quite, I guess yeah. that's quite a lot. At first I thought, well, you know, it's only... A third of the population of yeah, China, yeah. but uh, but that's probably not the way to. Uh, <laughs> not everyone wants to be a paid music a streamer, especially you know people over and under certain ages, yeah. um, and um, and that is up from uh, the year before 443 million, so five two three uh, from four four three million, so it's a big yeah. it's a big jump. Mm. Um, and streaming now accounts from that total figure that I gave at the beginning of this segment. Uh, 65% of total revenues of all music sold. Gosh, that's quite uh, yeah. high. My Which, goodness. 65. I mean, so 65%. Mm. I mean, in some ways, it, it, it makes sense because it's on people's phones if they have certain apps that they can do that through, so it's all convenient and people can listen to it on the go. But um, it's. Um, I think, it, truth be told, a lot of people are... Using it and syncing it with Bluetooth uh, speakers, or you know, um, or other systems through through homes as well. But how, about, how about in your household, if I may, Price Audio? Do you do you uh, do you listen to music
0: much? Yeah, and well, sp- you Spotify. Into? I think, you know, Spotify seems to be the one that we... And then we maybe download, so we have playlists and stuff on that. And then we have a boom speaker, so we have that sort of going out everywhere. But yeah, I think generally, I I have no CD player. I have no... You know, even now, laptops don't have them. Mm. So there was a time where you may have had a whole stack of CDs and things like that, but that is just not Mm. the case now. And also... I think it's about being flexible, isn't it? That we want to listen to music while we're out, when we're walking or yeah. running or whatever. So exactly. that seems to be the best way to do it.
1: Definitely for streaming, I think, um, when, when you're on the move. And mm. also, yeah, at home as well. I mean, I, I, my my family and I, we also listen through... You know, hooking up with yeah, speakers times through, have uh, through streaming. Yeah. yeah, although I've got to say though, I do sometimes get the CDs out yes, um, nice. and uh, and do have a bit of a listen. The um, the sixty five percent of total revenues from streaming. Then the article from the BBC went on to say that the uh, that making up the. Mm. Rest of that was in 19%. comes a mixture of CDs, vinyl. You know, vinyl mm-hmm, has made a mm-hmm. bit of a comeback in yeah, the last people decade or, got or two. That, yes. Yeah, it's given with, with, with releases of very new acts deciding to put things out because they like that kind of crackly and old, old format, you know, mm-hmm. sort of romantic old vinyl. And even cassettes are mentioned <laughs> in this uh, 19%. Now, wow. I haven't heard of a music cassette for years. Um,
0: I've downloaded. Download
1: accounts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Downloads are accounting for four percent and the remaining to make up to a hundred, eleven percent comes from a mixture of royalty payments, this is for total revenues, and um and licensing music to films, T V shows and advertising. That's interesting. So that's yeah. that's where it's all coming from. Yeah. Wow. Brilliant. Um yeah. So um a, a couple of a couple of other uh pointers that were mentioned in this article was that vinyl sales were thought in 2021 to have had quite a uh a high lifting thanks to the uh release of a new abba album <laughs> where where uh where that the, the sales of that i didn't they didn't mention the figures of that very album but abba did did come out with something new which caused a bit of uh interest in the world of music. I would say that most people would have been listening to it on streaming but um but, but a lot of people brought, bought in the uh, in the vinyl format. Yeah. So there's a significant slice of Something the vinyl thing
0: there. there. You need it.
1: <laughs> I think so. It kind of goes with the seventies yeah. pop music really. Yeah. 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 So that's that's probably that's probably the that's... Uh, the mixed bag of uh, yeah, of some good stuff there. there.
0: Yeah, so yeah. a lot of good stuff there. Brilliant. Uh, and have you got pl- anything Thanks. planned for the next couple of days now? Doing anything special?
1: Well, um, I uh, I will be in the studio on Saturday doing a normal afternoon shift in the very place that you're sitting. Uh-huh. Um, that's a. Uh, and uh, apart from that, I know that I've got some. Uh, my brother-in-law is coming over. On, uh, on Easter Monday. So I think, uh, hopefully, if the weather's OK, it'll be heading for the hills on the outlying island where I live. How about you, Zoe? It sounds as well,
0: just relaxing. I'm waiting for the social distancing thing to go. And I'm fasting at mm. the moment, so I'm not overdoing it. I'm oh, just yeah. taking it easy. And right. the weather's getting hot, right. so just enjoying the weather, really. And it, there is still a nice breeze, so I'm enjoying that. So you have a good weekend then, Andrew. And, Thank you, uh, too. And I'll talk to you next week. Have a good time. See you then.
1: Thanks, okay, bye